Welcome to another episode of the Father Ted Talk, broadcast here at the National Shrine of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton in Emmitsburg, Maryland. Now here's Father Ted. So as is typical of our Lord's teaching methodology, today we have a parable from Jesus Christ. And it's a fairly well-known parable, I'm sure, but it is unique insofar as Jesus himself takes the time to explain it to his disciples. And this parable was meant to have an impact on two different kinds of individuals, on the people that hear the word and the people that speak the word. Ideally speaking, each of us falls into both of those categories as both hearers and speakers of the word. And so we can learn from both of these lessons contained in today's parable of the sower and the seed. As Jesus himself tells us, this is a parable about spreading the gospel. The seed is the gospel, the truth, the faith that Jesus Christ came to teach us about. The sower is the person who spreads that. So it could be God himself, it could be Jesus Christ, it could be any one of us. And then the soil, that's the principal part of the parable. The soil are the different people that hear the word. You've got four different kinds of soil for the four different kinds of reaction that could take place upon hearing the word. So you've got those people, for example, that are completely closed off. They just immediately reject the word. They are represented by the, seed, the soil, the, 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 the pathway. The seed falls on it and then it's immediately snatched away. It doesn't take root. There's not even a chance of it um, giving fruit. There's another kind of person who will be initially excited about the word, maybe after a retreat, for example, or they'll have a particular consoling moment in prayer, they'll get excited about their faith, but then they just, after a while, become unenthused and they wander off, or it becomes too difficult, and so they head away. The third kind of person is that represented by the thorns, or rather the soil that has thorns mixed with the seed that is sown. And these are the people that, okay, they accept the word, they believe it, but they are choked by other concerns. So if you have like a hierarchy of values in your life, God is on the hierarchy of values, your faith is present there, you believe, it's, you know, it's important even, we can say, but there's a lot of other stuff which is above God. God is somewhere down the, down the ladder on the hierarchy of values. So God, in a sense, is choked because of all the other worries and preoccupations and things we got to do. But then you finally have the fourth kind of soil, the good soil, the soil of that person who both hears the word, who understands the word, and who puts the word into practice. So this parable today could serve as a kind of examination of conscience for us. You know, not just, okay, have I rejected Jesus Christ? Or have I embraced the faith? But rather, how do I react each and every time I hear the word? Every time I go to confession, every time I come to Mass, every time I open my Bible, what kind of soil am I? Am I completely zoned out and the, the word doesn't even have a chance of penetrating into my soul? Am I somebody who would be there at church more often? I would pray more often during the week, but there's just like a to-do list of 30 things that I got to take care of before I pray. You know, what is my reaction to the word that comes into my life? That's the first kind of lesson that we can draw from this parable today. 
These are the words, this is the lesson which can be directed towards those people that hear the word. But there's also some truth to be garnished from this parable regarding those who preach the word, those who spread the word, those who evangelize. And this is not something which is just referred to the person or to the priests or to the sisters or to people that are like inspirational speakers, you know, Catholic theologians. Each and every one of us who is baptized has that vocation. In fact, the catechism calls it an obligation to spread the faith that we adhere to. Just like if you were to have a barn overflowing with food and then the entire region around you is dying of hunger, you would have an obligation to spread the food that you have found. We have found the food of eternal life and we have the obligation to share it with those people around us who are dying of spiritual hunger. And the message, the lesson that can be taken from this for all of us who are called to spread the word is one of encouragement, is one to not despair. We can imagine that for the apostles, they could have easily been pretty discouraged at this point in Jesus' ministry. Because Jesus had some success, but there were a lot more bad things happening than good. He was almost entirely rejected by the temple authorities. The synagogues were closing their doors to him. At one synagogue, they tried to even kill him. There were people that had come out to hear him. Yeah, that's true. But they didn't stick around. They, they wandered off after a while. The people that were healed by our Lord, they received their curation, and then they wandered off as well. There were people in the Decapolis region across the Jordan River who even begged Jesus to leave their region. They wanted nothing to do with this man. And then in the sixth chapter of John's Gospel, we hear about how everybody left him because he preached about the need to receive Holy Communion. So he's not exactly somebody who is riding the wave of success. There are bad things which are taking place. He's making enemies. There is just some short-lived enthusiasm on the part of the crowd. And so some of his more faithful followers, like the apostles, could get discouraged. But they, those, the apostles and maybe any of us who is discouraged about spreading the word, we have to pay attention to how the parable ends. Because after detailing these different kinds of soil that don't receive the word, that you know, reject the word for one reason or another, the word finally does take root and it bears fruit. So the harvest does come. No farmer who goes into his field is going to expect each and every single seed that he throws onto the field to bear fruit. But he doesn't allow the fact that he won't have 100% success to dissuade him from actually getting into his tractor and spreading the, field, spreading the seed. There will be some seed wasted, but the harvest must go on. And we could suffer from discouragement as well. There's a number of reasons for this. You know, if we just look out at society, we can find a whole plethora of reasons. The faith is being systematically attacked by people. They're trying to drive it from the public sphere. There's this general abandonment of God. There's a widespread sexual immorality and addiction to pornography. There's the practical materialism which seems to inevitably force itself upon us. The sanctity of human life 
and the unbreakable bond of marriage is always being challenged in different ways. And so we can look at the world and we can just say, it's going into complete darkness, there's no hope. But this is precisely what the popes saw. And so the popes, the last three popes have talked about the new evangelization, the preaching, the presenting anew of the gospel to a world which has, unfortunately for the most part, turned its back on the gospel. And this is again, not something just for the professionals. Every single baptized Catholic has an obligation to contribute in one way or another to the new evangelization. And we don't need to say anything to do this. Like the often cited phrase of St. Francis of Assisi says, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. So, the sacraments we receive, the prayers we offer up, the forgiveness we give, the patience we show to our children, all these different things, these are seeds that are being scattered. And these are seeds which can give fruit. And so we need to continue to plant the seeds. And we could pessimistically ask ourselves, you know, what good could my little deed of charity do? What good is my rosary going to do? What difference is it going to make if I do what, what, like these little things in my own home, if I responsibly fulfill my vocation on a day-to-day -day basis? What good is that going to do? It seems as if I merely have a match to light in a world which is consumed in darkness. But the match can make all the difference. There's an ancient proverb that goes, it's better to light a candle than to complain about the darkness. It's a big mistake to not do anything because we cannot do everything. A journey of a thousand miles always begins with a single step. Big operations begin with the most menial of tasks. And yes, a match is a really tiny bit of light. But just imagine how much effect a small pebble can have in each of our eyes. Like if a pebble gets into our eyes, we're going to notice that very readily. A tiny rock from David's sling slew the, the giant Goliath. A virus that is the size one one thousandth the width of a human hair has brought the entire world to a standstill. Little things can do great, good or evil. And every time I light a match, every time I just do little deeds which are good, the darkness does not triumph. The light wins. Even if the only person who sees that I am lighting a match of a good deed is my guardian angel, it is in fact being helpful for the world. It is helping the world. It is a small but shining bright light. And so we just need to keep lighting the matches one match after another, match after match. And the darkness is going to try and extinguish the matches. It's going to try and encourage those pessimistic thoughts, like you're not doing anything. What's the point? Just fold, up, fold your arms and give up. This is the temptation of darkness. Because the darkness knows that there is somebody who is coming, who is bringing the light into the world. It's only a matter of time before he arrives and he lights up the whole universe and there will be no darkness anywhere. His time is short. But until that someone comes to bring the light for the entire universe, let us light our matches. If we have our vocation fixed, let's carry out our vocation. 
do it faithfully, do it for love of God. If we don't know what God is asking us to dedicate our entire lives to, do the good that you can here and now, and that is enough. You might not light up the entire world, but it's enough that you do what God wants you to do. Whether that be a serious act of charity, or whether it be something rather routine in nature. When Mother Seton came here to Emmitsburg, it didn't really look like the beginning of much of a great expedition or a great work. But she didn't allow herself to be discouraged. She didn't allow herself to be discouraged by the failure of her school in New York City, by the failure, perhaps we can say, of being able to enter a convent in Canada, by the scandalous situation of the church in New York City when she converted. She continued to sow the seed, even if she didn't see the results. When she died, there were only a hundred Sisters of Charity, or less than a hundred, actually. When St. Francis of Assisi died, there were 5,000 Franciscans. But she didn't get discouraged. She continued to do what she knew was right, what God was asking of her in her little way. And thanks to her perseverance, where we, we are reaping the benefits, and she is a saint in heaven. So let's ask the Blessed Virgin Mary today that the woman who we identify as the star of the new evangelization to pray for us, to intercede for us, that we might always have that courage to light the match that God has put into our hands, to sow the seed of good deeds in the place where we find ourselves in order that we might diminish the darkness which is trying to overcome the goodness in this world.